We are continuing in our look at the Jesus Storybook Bible, and this is the third week now that we have been talking about Moses. I want to, first of all, thank John uh, Grabiel, who um, uh, stepped up last week and preached and heard many good things about it, and I listened to the sermon, and it was uh, great. I I knew he made a wise crack about being better looking than me and Scott, and uh, um, you know what? I I feel secure enough. Uh, I I don't even have to respond to that. I think you know. So... um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, so, but thank you to John uh, for talking last week about the crossing over the Red Sea. And of course, today we're talking about the Ten Commandments. And so uh, we are going to look over uh, chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, uh, the first 17 verses. And so I invite you now to hear these words. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children For the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. A chance for us to hear from your word. This story, Lord, of the Ten Commandments is one that is quite familiar to most of us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak anew this ancient truth, this ancient passage. That you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you would have us to hear. We pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Well, my, uh, 
my father, many of you know, my father uh, grew up, uh, he was in the military actually, and so um, I grew up as, as what we oftentimes call kind of a Navy brat. Um, and so when I was growing up, there were things that were kind of unique about my life that I didn't really realize. I thought just everyone kind of did that. So uh, things like, you know, moving every two or three years, or, or the fact that when you pass somebody, you, you salute them, you don't just kind of wave to them, or, uh, or the fact that you would always have to have your military ID just to get into simple ordinary places like a grocery store or to go bowling or, or even living behind kind of barbed wire fence. All these things that I just kind of thought were kind of normal, um, but, but actually aren't that normal, I suppose. And I, I realized just kind of how abnormal they were when, um, when my wife and I, the first time kind of we went to go visit my sister, whose husband's in the army. And I remember uh, Megan just kind of having these this kind of weird looks on her faces at times and asking these questions and, and wondering why it is that we did things that seemed so, so odd if you will. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the most kind of unique parts about military life is, is the military lingo. And, and I, I haven't held a military ID now for 15 years. And so even now as I go and if I'm in a conversation with my sister, sometimes we can have a whole conversation and I will have no idea what it was that she was talking about. And, and so I was, I was conversing with her earlier this week, and I, I said to her, can you just kind of give me a conversation that you might have with a friend? And she said, okay, sure. Here's a conversation. And so I, I knew I wouldn't remember it, so I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Hey, I know your husband is TDY, but I was wondering if you've heard anything about your PCS orders. No, we haven't gotten them yet, but the OIC said he's hopeful for them by the COB today. Do you think y'all will do a ditty? Not sure. He should be back tomorrow from his TDY, and after the AAR, we'll have time to sit down and talk about it. All right, well, I'm off to take the kids to the CDC so I can hit the commissary kid-free. Let me know if there's anything the FRG can do for you while your husband is TDY. Any questions? (laughs) Now, how many of you know what that conversation was about? Okay. A couple of few of you, my guess is those of you who have kind of perhaps served in the military at some point, it's a conversation all about moving and about whether or not where they're going to move and all these different kinds of questions, right? But it's, it's something that by and large, most of us would have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And as I, as I talked to my sister about it earlier this week, she would say, well, do you know what TDY means? Do you know what Diddy means? Do you know what these things mean? And she assumed, she thought, because they were so normal to her, that, that, that everyone would just kind of know what she was talking about. But of course, we don't. And the reality is, unless we had a decoder of sorts, there is no way that we would be able to interpret anything that she was saying. And I bring that up this morning because it seems to me that when it comes to Christians and the Ten Commandments, there are some real similarities to that which is that Christians oftentimes just assume, it seems to me, that if you put the Ten Commandments up someplace, let's say a courthouse or a public school or wherever, that people will, just by seeing them and reading them, understand what the Ten Commandments are about. Now, this is not going to be a conversation about the separation of church and state. That's I don't want to get emails from people kind of angry about this, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about simply the assumption that we make that people can just read those Ten Commandments and that they will change, that they will understand things differently. And I'm here to say that the Ten Commandments are not helpful. 
If you do not have the decoder to understand what it is that they are really saying and why it is that they are saying what they are saying. See what I'm saying? So let me give you a decoder on that. Oftentimes when we see the Ten Commandments displayed, they're displayed uh, something like this. Right? That looks pretty familiar probably to most of you. But one of the things, and I've mentioned this in passing, that is missing there is the thing that helps us to understand why we have all of these commandments. It is the decoder, and the decoder comes to us in the second verse of this chapter. Most Protestants don't have this as a part of the Ten Commandments. The Jewish faith actually does have it as their first commandment, as a part of the first commandment. But we do not. So what is the second verse? Very good. All right. There you go. Sermon done. That's exactly right. Okay. I am the Lord your God who who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay? I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I'm here to suggest to you this morning that understanding that first is absolutely pivotal if you are going to understand the Ten Commandments. Because the first thing that it does is it shows us that God wants to be in relationship with us. That God, remember two weeks ago we talked about this with Moses, that God looked down and said, I've heard my people's cry. I've heard their suffering. In other words, I love them. I care for them. And I want to be in relationship with them. So the Ten Commandments are not first and foremost about rules. It is about God reminding the people how much he loves them. And, and, and most of us, we know the difference between these two things. Most of us perhaps have had parents or maybe you had one parent who, was, who, who made it very clear that, that, that he or she loved you, that they, that they cared about you, and that the reasoning why uh, you had these rules was out of love for them. Others perhaps have had parents or others for whom really it was all about the rules. And that's really what it was about. And you couldn't really feel the love. And that changes the way you understand everything. You might still follow the rules, but you do it out of fear and trepidation. And it doesn't actually change who you are. And the Ten Commandments are useless if we're just trying to do them out of some uh, obligation and not because we understand that God loves us and not out of a relationship with God. But another aspect of the decoder that I think is, is pretty pivotal is the fact that when we see the Ten Commandments and you recall how they were listed, it seems like if you just read them like that, that you, that it all begins with you and not with God. And so if you were just to kind of take this, and we love taking this because we're hardworking Americans, we love to say, just tell me what to do. I don't want to, I don't, I don't have time for a relationship. I don't have time for these things. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. We are, by and large, doers. But here, when it begins with, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of Egypt, there is a first move by God saying before you can do anything know that I love you and have freed you from Egypt it's important because most of us end up reading this differently we don't read it the way it says we read it more like 
God is saying, if you do these Ten Commandments, then I will be the Lord your God. Then I will free you from Egypt. Then I will free you from, from slavery. The Ten Commandments were never there to bring salvation. Salvation has already occurred. He has already freed us. And there is nothing that we can do to gain that salvation. And I know I've said it before, but I will say it again and again and again because most of us don't believe it. Most of us think and live our lives in such a way that we keep trying to earn that salvation. And I am here to say in this Ten Commandments, God makes it clear yet again, I have freed you. And why do we do the Ten Commandments? As a response of gratitude to what God has done. In other words, they are not rules and regulations. When you do the Ten Commandments, you are worshiping. The Ten Commandments are practices of how we worship God. That's really simply what it is. And if you just see it listed someplace, it's not helpful for you to understand that what's actually happening is that God is encouraging you to worship God because of how God has freed us. And if you don't get that, then those Ten Commandments will become nothing but a noose for you. It begins with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Which brings me to another very significant part of that second verse. Which is the notion that God has brought us out of slavery. You see, each of the Ten Commandments are about slavery. Each of them are there to try and help us not become slaves again. What God is saying is, I've brought you out of slavery. I've brought you out of the chains of the Egyptians. Don't jump and become slaves again to something else, right? Most of us probably know uh, people who are, seem to not be very good in dating relationships, right? They, they're in one relationship, and they're not very good. They, they seem to never pick, uh, usually it seems like, I, I don't know why, but it's the girl who, who seems to keep picking the wrong guy, maybe, and they pick the wrong guy, and they, they get out of the relationship, like, oh, thank God, and then 10 minutes later, they're in another bad relationship with another similarly bad guy, right? Some of you wives, like, looking at your husbands, oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. So this is and what, this is what's going on here. God is saying, I have freed you from slavery. Don't now jump into another set of chains someplace else. So what does that mean? How are these commandments talking about slavery and chains? Because it doesn't kind of jump out at you in one sense. So let's look at, let's look at one of these. The first couple commandments are, are primarily around idolatry, uh, which is a question about around what are you centering yourself are you centering yourself around God or are you centering yourself around anything else? Because anything else that you center yourself around other than God will become chains and slavery. So, as I was thinking about that this week, something came to my mind. I, I didn't really want to say it because I've already talked about it a little bit at one other point, but, and I didn't want people to think that I just kind of kept talking about the same thing. But, but then I, read, I, I ran across this article uh, and, and uh, this blog, and, and I couldn't kind of get it out of my head. So I want to share it uh, with you. It, it's not on an explicitly Christian blog at all. It's on a blog that Steve Nash does. Everyone know who Steve Nash is? He was a basketball player, professional basketball player. Does anyone know who Steve Nash is? Okay, great. All right, so Steve Nash. So this is up on his blog, and he's talking about youth sports, and he's talking about parents. 
He says, parents, we are so scared that if we do not have the child specialize, if we do not get the extra coaching or give up our entire family life for youth sports, our child will get left behind. Even though nearly every single parent I speak to tells me that in their gut they have this feeling that running their child ragged is not helpful, they do not see an alternative. Another kid will take his place. He won't get to play for the best coach. I I want you to read that, that. I want you to think about that first sentence again. Even though nearly every single parent I speak to tells me that in their gut they have this feeling that running their child ragged is not helpful, they do not see an alternative. Do you know what you call that? Slavery. If you feel like you are stuck in one place and there is nothing you can do to get out of it, it is called slavery. And I was very reticent to bring this up again today, primarily because of the fact that this past week I talked to a couple different parents who were talking about how tired they are of being run ragged. And I never like to talk about the next Sunday sermon, talk about something someone's talked to me about, right? Because I'm afraid that they'll think I'm, you know, kind of in some passive-aggressive way trying to tell them what I really think. And I, I, I don't like that. But I also know that if I waited for a Sunday until no parent had talked to me about how tired they were from running back and forth with their child, I would never be able to talk about it. The reality is that there are many of our folks who feel like they have no choice but to run their children from one place to another out of fear. Out of fear that their child, as Steve Nash, not a Christian as far as I know, as he clearly points out, out of fear that they're going to be left behind. It's not just you. Sports, it can be anything. And they feel like they have no choice and and they are slave to the fear of being blamed for not giving their kid enough opportunities. And of course, it's not just youth sports. I could just bring up sports as a whole. I mean, our society is fairly chained into sports. What time do the Colts play today? Four, right, exactly. (laughs) It's usually one, but 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 we all know this week. How many, of our, how many of our lives and our weekends are spent around sports? Now, listen, I love sports just like the next guy, okay? And we have, an, we have someone who's coming in, membership, whose life is sports, right? And so I want to be, be careful here because there's the other extreme. It's the extreme that I grew up in where, where uh, you know, like on Wednesday nights, I could never go to my baseball practice because we always had church, right? And, and you could kind of go to the other extreme, and that's called legalism, and that's a chain in and of itself. But I do think that we need to wrestle with The reality of asking, if someone were to come in from outer space again, right, I've used this before, and were to say, to look at how you spent your time, what would they tell you was most important to you? What would they be able to say, clearly this person's life is centered around God, or would they be able, would they be more questioned to say, well, it's clearly only centered around their children, or sports, or what have you. Now, there's lots of other things, too. There's lots of examples. You know, there's examples of people who are single, let's say, in our church congregation, right? And society and our churches have not done a very good job, really, by and large, of saying it's okay to be single. And for, much, for many folks, it's like, well, if you're single, you, know, you only really have value once you have a spouse. And then as soon as you have a spouse, well, you know what? You really only have value once you have a, a child. And these things can quickly become slaves or become chained to this kind of thing as well. And what, 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 what God is saying is, I have already freed you. Why would you jump into more chains? 
Live in me. And imagine what we might say to the society around us. If we were clearly living by a different set of rules, by a set of rules that says our lives are centered around God. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't do anything else that anyone else is doing, but it means, does mean that we might change some of how we are spending our time. Now, there are other commandments as well, right? There's a, there's a commandment to not covet, right? And that's something that, you know, I brought up uh, several months ago about how I'm always coveting other people's kitchens, right? Uh, we don't like our kitchen that much, so I'm always coveting other people's kitchens. Well, there's lots of different things that people covet. It can be cars, it can be looks, it can be uh, a plethora of other things. And why is that? Well, it's because of the simple fact that God knows that if your happiness and joy and peace are dependent on your neighbor, and what he or she has, or who he or she is, that you will never be happy. That you will be chained to that person. And God says, no, be free. Or what about the notion of Sabbath? How is that about slavery? Well, Sabbath, the reason why we take Sabbath, one of the reasons at least, is to distance ourselves from our jobs. Because the reality is it is so easy for most of us to take all of our value based on what we are producing, based on what our boss thinks about us, based on what our last job assessment was. And the only way, and I really believe this, the only way to allow that not to happen is to take space, is to get away at least once a week So that you can kind of assess, where is my value coming from? Is it coming from what I do? Or is it coming from who I am in God? And that's a very important difference. And we all wrestle with that. Whether you you are an accountant, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever, or a dad, whatever it is that you do, we all wrestle with that. Even preachers wrestle with it. You can ask any preacher's spouse, is your Sunday afternoon and Sunday night and Monday affected by how well the preacher feels like his sermon went or did not go. And while certainly it's good to have a meaningful sermon, I want you to know, and my value should not come, Scott's value, John's value, no one's preacher's value should come from how well they did or didn't preach. It should come by who we are as children of God. And that's hard for us. Now look, in some ways it's actually, let me say this, it's helpful when you don't say anything about the sermon or when you even give me some criticism. That can actually be pretty helpful. You know why? No? (laughs) Because it forces us to say, okay, wait, where is my value coming from, right? So please, don't leave here and be like, okay, well, clearly someone said something bad about his sermon and he's upset about it. No, they were talking about John's sermon. So I, um, (laughs) but all of us, all of us wrestle with having our meaning come from something other than who God says we are. And so it's pivotal that that we wrestle with that, that we don't exchange one set of chains for another. Now, there's something else, though, it seems to me, that is, that is important in our decoding of the Ten Commandments. And that is that most folks in the communities around us will only understand those Ten Commandments, not only when they get the second verse, 
but when it has been interpreted to them by a community that is practicing the Ten Commandments. It is much easier for us to go up and to just hand out Ten Commandments to people than it is for us to actually live it out and show people what it means to worship God by practicing the commandments. Moreover, it is pivotal if you really want to practice the Ten Commandments to realize you can only do it in community. There's a reason why the Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites as a community of faith because it is almost impossible to not covet and to keep up the Sabbath and to not be idolatrous if we try to do it alone because it is just too hard to do it alone. So this morning as we... Um, we're going to bring up some folks who are going to join. We had, uh, we had uh, three people or six people who joined uh, earlier today. We have, we have three more people who are going to be joining uh, uh, here in just a couple of minutes. We've got five or six who couldn't make it today because they had some kind of youth sport outing. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, just, just a joke. Just a joke. Mostly. Yeah. So. But I want to say that this is, this is significant. Because what they're doing is they're coming up here, and, and no, you, can, you don't have to be a member in order to be a part of our body. But I also want to say that there is something to be said for standing up here and for saying, I am publicly letting you all know that I am up here because of the simple fact that I know, first of all, that I can't follow these commandments alone. I can't follow God alone. I, I need your help because I am susceptible to coveting. I am susceptible to not keeping the Sabbath. I am susceptible to wanting to go from one set of chains to another. But not only that, these people who will be up here, these three who will be up here this morning, they are also saying to you, and I am here to come alongside of you and to help you because I know you and I know you struggle with it as well. And so we have this great opportunity to bring in some new folks and for you to realize that these are, are people who are here to help us to perform and to practice this act of worship, which is the Ten Commandments. Not in order to gain salvation, but as a response and out of gratitude for the freedom that God has given to us. And I am convinced that the more that we can do that, the more that we can help the society around us to understand what true freedom really is about. Let's practice the act of worship and these commandments. Let us not give in to the chains of the culture that tell us that our value comes from what we do, not from who we are. May it be so. Amen.